Hello, you're very welcome to the Two Arms in a Hurl podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Mansfield, and I'm with uh, the editor-in-chief, Mr. TJ Mills. How's it going, TJ? And not too bad, Robbie, and yourself? Yeah, all good. Uh, you had a bit of a bit of an operation during the week there? Yeah, no, it's... Um, yeah, I had hernia surgery on Tuesday, so yeah, glad to have it over. I'd be able to get back to... Oh, I forget her name, Olga, or... No, actually, no, Olga, uh, me and Olga had a fall now. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, no, I, I'd be glad to be able to get back doing a bit of strength training and that. So um, hopefully all went well. So hopefully four weeks I'd be able to get back to normal again. So doing bits of walking yeah. and that. So all good so far. Thank God. Happy days. Cool. So we'll crack on. We'll get going with the GA fixtures. Um, so. We'll start maybe with the games on Saturday first. Um, so what do you think is the, kind of in terms of the hurling games, the best game is uh, Tipperary Dublin. Do you think Dublin could uh, pull off a shock in that one and get the win over Tip? Um, I won't lie, I'd be really disappointed if Dublin didn't. Um, and that's no disrespect to either side. Uh, Tipperary seem to be in a bit of a transition at the moment. Um, now they... They claim victory over Kilkenny by a point, but there were two sides that were shown signs of transition, if that makes sense. Kilkenny had a couple of regulars, Tipperary had a couple of regulars, but it wasn't really kind of championship. Um, I won't say championship tempo, but it just wasn't championship um, teams if that makes sense. Now, that's no disrespect to players on either side, but Brian Cody's kind of trying to rebuild a team. Uh, Colin Bonner, after taking over the mantle in Tipperary, trying to come in after Liam Sheedy, uh, after Windall earned in 2019. He wants to put his own stamp on it as well. Uh, Dublin, uh, really impressive throughout the Welsh Cup. Matty Kenny's what maybe fifth sixth season in charge um and well at least four seasons in charge anyway so they i'd be expecting a dublin victory there i'd be disappointed if if it isn't uh the only factor that could slightly play into it is the game is in simple stadium in turles um Dublin wouldn't always have great memories of Simple Stadium. Um so no, that could be that could be that could be a factor. But along the lines of preparation and all of that, Dublin seemed to be a bit more down the line. So uh, I'd be expecting a Dublin win, being honest. I wouldn't say to be much in it, but um if Dublin didn't claim victory. I think they would be really disappointed now. And yeah, I think uh, Dublin don't normally uh, blow out teams anyway. I think uh, one time we blew out Kilkenny to win a Leinster Leinster final now, but uh, or a Leinster title, but um, that was just a one one in a one in a million. I'd say that game was um, cool. Yeah, and a bit of a bit of a derby game for you on Sunday, Kilkenny Leash. Uh, are you leaning leaning towards Leash with your connections? You're always going on about. Uh, no. Unfortunately <laughs> not. Um, when you see, I mean, I would have 
questioning um, Tipperary's performance against Leash. Um, but then when Leash went, when I saw Leash were down to 14 players for large parts of that game, I thought it was a really impressive performance by Leash. Um, in saying that Tipperary seemed to be in a bit of transition, this is no respect, disrespect to Leash or what Cheddar Plunkett's trying to do. But Leash found out really where they're kind of at at the moment uh, with the result against Watford uh, two weeks ago. Uh, Watford racked up seven, or I think seven twenty something, and that was the result. The only other result that I think kind of came close like that for Leash would have been defeats to Limerick and that a uh, few year ago. Um and then the absolute demolition by Cork, where Cork scored ten twenty. Um, it's a real important game for Leash to come back and say here, uh, Watford kind of caught us on the hop. They got the goals at vital time before half time. That could be a factor, you could say. But um, going down to Nolan Park playing Kilkenny, it's. It's never an easy thing to do, no matter what Kilkenny side it is. They clashed in the Welsh Cup leash, put in a good performance, and being on a should uh on the passage of possession and that in the first half, from what I heard, Leash should have win that game, but still Kilkenny's never say die winning attitude came true. Um so yeah, I expect Kilkenny to bounce back, but like you were saying with leash connections, all of that, I always had respect for leash hurlers and all of that. Um, and you'd be hoping to be able to put in a, a good performance and account to themselves well. But uh, you'd be hoping they maybe could do what they've done over the past couple of seasons and uh, run Kilkenny to single or early double digit figures and that'd be good um at the moment. Now I know that isn't saying much, but um they are missing a few players. Leash Kilkenny are missing a lot as well. So it, it's a matter I think it will be down to Leash and Antrim to see who stays up, being honest. And on the balance of play at the moment uh, with the performances that Antrim are putting in, had a great performance against Kilkenny and Nolan Park, where Kilkenny were really put to the pin of their collar coming into the end of that game. And then you, it, it took a really strong Dublin second half performance up in Antrim at uh, the last day as well. So you'd be hoping Leash could maybe do what Antrim done in Nolan Park and come up short, but it is between Leash and Antrim to see who stays up and on the result of the Watford game, unless Watford do the same. I don't think they played already. Um, uh, they're playing up in Antrim on Sunday. So that oh, be, sorry. Uh, yeah, sorry. Place, place uh, to go, I suppose. Yeah. Now, I mean, on the balance of the performances so far, it's going to be tough for Leash. Antrim seems to be motoring well, but... Going back to your question, Robbie, it's a Kilkenny victory. Looking at the team tonight that was announced, it's it's a strong Kilkenny side, even without the Ballyhale regulars and Richie Hogan and that. 
Yeah, and we have uh, repeated the All Ireland final, Limerick Cork. Um, Limerick, well, I wouldn't say struggling. You can't really say they're struggling. They're just maybe finding their feet a bit slower in the league than other teams and maybe starting a bit later than other teams. Um, do you reckon Cork will kind of see this as a, an opportunity to maybe not expel all the demons from the final last year, but to maybe uh, set the tone for the year ahead? Yeah, it'd be vitally important for Cork to to get a result there. Um, like no one remembers who wins a game in the league, but when you're after being decimated in an all earned final after performing so well like they did, I mean, any team that beats Kilkenny in an all earned semi final um, would would really need to would would really feel disappointed. Uh, not showing up the way they did in Dahl Ireland. And that's no disrespect to Cork. I say to be the first team, first people to admit it themselves. Uh, Cork are on a good run um, in the league. As you say, Limerick are very hot and cold, um, yet to claim a victory. Um, I was in Egypt last year um, when Limerick didn't get the results in the early round of the league when you saw what they'd done in the championship. So John Kiley won't be sweating, being honest. He knows exactly um and you're reigning all Ireland champions. It'd be vitally important for Cork because they have a a, a gl- good blend of young players there and to get a victory over Limerick it, it'd be it'd be really good. And that game's in uh, Limerick as well. Um so it's never an easy place to go to Gaelic Reigns. But if Cork can put in a good performance, get the victory, I won't say it will make a big impact in the championship, but it, it, it'll it give them a good bit of confidence. Yeah, definitely. We'll uh, maybe go some of the way to getting them uh, to a place where they could beat them in the championship this year. And then uh, I suppose the other two teams that, Maybe their stock has risen uh, throughout the league so far. The highest is um, Galway and Wexford. They're facing off in Galway um, on Sunday as well. That should be a, a tasty enough game. Wexford are, are going well. I've seen they're actually in, someone had them in the power rankings, had uh, Wexford one over, number one overall. Um, so they're, they're definitely doing well on the league basis so far. So do you reckon Henry can get the better of them and put the, put the wax skins to, to bed or? Will uh, Wexford kind of keep going, playing well? Um, it's a tough one to call, Robbie. I won't lie to you, and I'm not going to try to sit on the fence with it. I, both under new management, both uh, really impressive. I mean, both defeated Limerick as well. Um, Galway seemed to be that bit more impressive in defeating. Um, sorry, Galway seemed that bit more impressive in defeating uh, Limerick. Um, now I know it was a surge in the final ten minutes. Um, Wexford, great form. I mean, other than the the demolition that Dublin done to him in the Welsh Cup, they defeated Kilkenny and. Um, were showing good strides. Um, they they seem to be still operating on a defensive platform, and I know, um, that maybe is the style that 
they want to go with and it has to be respected. But I mean, when they defeated Limerick, I think the score was around 111 to 11 or something like that. Very low for scoring match. I know we're, I was kind of given out about high scoring games maybe last year where you have 28, 30 points in a game. But um, I think for Wexford um, to really make strides this year, they have to open up a bit more. Now, they are without Lee Chin and that at the moment. So, I mean, they are players to come back in there. Um, But the one thing I won't lie, Robbie, I'm really worrying about is Leinster this year. Because you have Henry Shefflin in Galway and you have Wexford shown to be a sleeping giant. Um, so, yeah, I think Leinster Hurling is where it's going to be this year. <laughs> I won't lie to you. Going back to your question, and I know I'm getting sidetracked, I'd actually go for a draw in it. Yeah, I suppose two, two uh, close enough teams that might... Uh... Might end yeah. in the draw, maybe. Yeah, if it's an open game, you'd fancy Galway to have that bit more firepower. Um, but if Wexford are able to do what they done to Limerick, now Galway will have a bit more preparation than Limerick will have, which is to be expected when you're reigning all earned champions. Um Weather isn't meant to be that awful bad, actually, for Sunday as well. And you might wonder why I'm bringing the weather into it. Pierce Stadium is a tough place to go if if the weather conditions aren't great. Um, so if it's a wide open game, I'd kind of fancy Galway. If Wexford are able to keep it tight, uh, I'd actually go for a draw. But if there's any chance of, say, inclement weather conditions, you could maybe go for a Wexford win. Now, I know I'm after giving three scenarios there, but um, <laughs> I'd kind of go for a Galway victory or a, or a draw, being honest. I think Wexford... Or I should win. Saying, <laughs> I know, I, I genuinely believe Wexford have to come out of their shell if Galway do and it's a high scoring game, I fancy Galway. If Wexford are able to keep it um tight and condensed, I'd I'd go for a draw, but I think Galway will claim the points there. I genuinely do. Cool. Uh yes, that rounds up to Hurling. Um so some tasty football games as always in Division One. Um so we'll just go over the uh the Dublin Kildare game that seems to be a, a winner take all game in Newbridge. It's a sellout. Um, possibly preview of the uh, Leinster showdown as well. And I think Colin O'Rourke said during the week that Leinster final could be you could have no uh, Leinster team in Division One, so which would leave Leinster football in a sorry state. You know, you're going on about Leinster hurling being maybe in a decent place, but um. Leinster football could see no team in Division 1 next year if, if Dublin and Kildare are relegated um, so yeah it's a bit of a, a tasty match I'm sure there'll be um, there'll be no one pulling out challenges or it'll be definitely championship intensity I'd say um, do you reckon either Dublin or Kildare I suppose Kildare have played well so far without getting a win whereas Dublin maybe have uh, have been at their best um, so yeah do you think either Dublin or Kildare will get the win in that one I I think this is a massive game for Dublin, Robbie. Um, 
I mean, you might be if you're talking about it say last year you'd be called mad say here after Dublin doing what they done uh, to have any question marks over him but some of the performances this year has been really really under par and all the pressure is on Dublin and I'm not just saying that Kildare um, got, came back to draw against Kerry um, and there's a lot of pressure there because Jack O'Connor, former manager, uh, Glenn Ryan coming in, um, they accounted for themselves good above in Oma, which isn't an easy place to go, um, and would would be disappointed not to get a result out of that game either. Dublin dismantled by um, Kerry um, and who was the last day sorry beaten by Armagh and then Mayo the last day um I think this is a vital one and the one worrying thing I would have is and and you don't want this talk going around and maybe it could be different Robbie um but looking at it from an outside perspective and listening to Darren Maloney's commentary last Saturday they could be question marks about Desi's Desi Farrell's tenure there. Um, now, whether is that unfair on Desi Farrell? I think it could slightly be, uh, because after what Dublin done under Jim Gavin, and you have retirements. It happened with Inkle Kenny. Once you win All Ireland, players retire. Um, but. You don't want the likes of that going around, um, especially when, especially when performances haven't been that great. Um, the one worrying aspect I would see with Dublin as well, and I would have highlighted it last year in their league game against Kerry in Turles, is their over-reliance on trying to keep possession, even when they're behind our in a chance of winning the game it's brilliant to be able to keep possession when you're winding down the clock or kind of I won't say showboating I I think that's a disrespect but in other words when you're comfortable in a game but when you're not performing well and you're still kind of it's in other words Robbie if you take the example of playing a blanket defence and hurling or dropping players back and you chasing the game, you're five points down with 10 minutes to go or less to go and you're still deploying the sweeper. Um, it, it doesn't show that you're going out to try and win the game. Um, and that's the one worrying aspect I can see and I would have seen a lot of the Dublin games this year um, and it, it's still a trend that's going. Um now, Dublin have a lot of young players being drafted in as well, and that has to be uh, accounted for as well. Um, but I think this would be, a, if you're talking last year or the year before, you'd be saying here, this is a massive game for Kildare to see where they are. I think this is a massive game for Dublin, because if you look at Mayo went to Newbridge a few years ago, all the pressure was kind of on Newbridge or nowhere in a sense. 
and Kildare turned them over. It's not an easy place to go. And I could say Kildare could shade it unless there's a massive reaction out of Dublin, Robbie. Yeah, well, I'll be looking forward to all those games. Um, you mentioned about the Camogie fixtures as well. Uh, what's your uh, pick of the games in that one? Yeah, they're... Um, the games, they're down Galway, Offaly, Dublin, Clare, Kilkenny, Cork, Limerick, all on uh, tomorrow. Intermediate, Derry, Kildare, Wexford, Mead, Tipperary, Westmead, and Watford, Kilkenny, and Intermediate. If I was to pick out two ties from each uh, grade, I think the biggest tie would be Offaly, Dublin. Um, both sides have begun the league campaign poorly enough. Um, both under management in going into their second year. Um, I know both camps, uh, well, I know the Offaly camp better having been involved a few years ago, but I know the Dublin management set up as well and helped out in the background there a couple of years ago. I think that would be the pick of the games. Uh, they played out a real entertaining contest, uh, contest last year. Uh, Dublin were leading and Offaly came back I fancy Dublin for that game I won't lie to you and in the intermediate um, even though uh, a former colleague of mine um, is involved in the Tipperary Westmeat game tomorrow I think the big game would be uh, Watford Kilkenny um, it's taking place in the WIT arena uh, the reason why I'm highlighting that is Watford coming down from senior and Kilkenny uh, after um, suffering disappointment in dollar and final last year. So any team comes down from intermediate or sort of, sorry, from senior to intermediate, it can be tough at times. But uh, I think that could be a real mouthwatering encounter because there are good young players among the Kilkenny ranks as well. And there's some Watford players involved with Piltown as well. Uh, they play their club Camogie with Piltown as well. So they know each other well. So that'd be the pick of the games uh, in the intermediate. Yeah, cool. Good stuff. And uh, the GA Congress is on this weekend as well. So that's when all the, the big wigs um, make the journey. Up. Is it in Crow Park this year again or where is it or? Uh, it's in actually, do you know the dome in Mayo uh, this oh, year? Good. Yeah, it's very unusual, but um, um, I suppose with games on there and kind of coming out of the pandemic as well. Uh, but I think it's kind of one of the most important ones since, um, what was it, Article 16, where Croke Park was open for rugby and uh, soccer. I think this could be the biggest Congress. Um, like last year, we would have been chatting about football proposals, but that seems to be a foregone conclusion now. Um, 16 teams in Dollar and Championship and then the Taunton Cup uh, for, uh, for teams that uh, are in Division 3 and 4. Uh, but the big changes, Robbie, and I know there's um, big talk in Kilkenny about it is there's talks of change in uh, the minor to under 17 and under 21 to under 20. 
Now that has been deployed at club level uh, around the county, uh, or sorry, around the country, and I know it was de- deployed in Kilkenny as well. I won't lie, I wouldn't be in favour of it. Um, there are talks of an under-19 grade as well. Um, not because Kilkenny are going against it that I'm going against it, but I just, there's too much of a gap, Robbie. Um, now, I know there are talks of introducing an under-19 competition, but um, you have someone that's after playing minor to be 18 years of age, they're still slightly young going in senior, but still it's achievable. You go down to under 17 level. An awful lot of players may not make it at, like the way the under 21 competitions are run off is it's run off early in the year. Um, so you could have someone maybe not having, maybe not having, any chance to kind of play tribe to summer at inter-county in a sense. Now, I know the hurling, their football's on early, are used to be on early, and the hurling is kind of towards the end of the year. The final used to be after the all-earned, all-earned hurling final, but it's kind of a narrow window. But I just wouldn't be in favour of it. But I think it will pass, Um, listening to the news today. Uh, but the other major thing, Robbie, and not to drag on, is the vote on the integration of the Ladies Gaelic Football Association and Camogie with the GEA. Um, the GPA are really pushing for having been involved in administration at club and county level for a number of years as well. I'd be definitely for it, and I think it can only be good for everyone for for the Camogie and Ladies Gaelic football to go under the GEA umbrella. Uh, the main I reason, imagine Robbie, people have any sort of opposition to it, though. You would have some tradi- traditionalists that would be against it. Uh, I won't lie. It'd be a bit like the opening up at Croke Park the time. Um, they may not be the same amount of numbers, but they would be traditionalists there. And I would have encountered a couple over the years. Um, now, <clears throat> I won't say anything bad because everyone has their own opinions and rights and all of that. Um, I think for ladies sports to move forward, um, I think it's the only way. And the main thing, Robbie, it, it, I know expenses are after being interlinked. It was the same with the ladies' soccer and the men's soccer. They're getting the same now. Um, the ladies' Gaelic football players and camogie players are getting the same level of expenses now. I, I think that's right, and it should have been the case all the time. Um, but I think the main thing is the ability to and availability of pitches uh, they are counties across the country that may not be lucky to be able to get access to county grounds or get access to really good grounds and that's no disrespect to clubs but when you're representing your county uh, there were an incident I travelled with a team a few years ago I won't mention the team or I won't mention the county we travel to but there was a club hurling match on before 
they had the main dressing rooms and you had an inter-county side were expected to go in and change in unclean dressing rooms and they were really, really small and the team was separated as well. They were divided up and lawnmowers and that had to be taken out before. Um, and this was a, this was a, a national competition. And now I know that is very seldom that it happens, but it did happen and it is a few years ago. Um, so for the likes of those days to be ended and for parity to come, I'd love to see the Leinster Camogie final on before the Leinster hurling final and have the minor there as well. That no one can say that the the minor has been affected. I think the ladies' football finals taking place with the Leinster football final uh, this year. I think I heard that now. Stand corrected on it. I think that's brilliant as well, and it's only going to promote the game greater. And I'd love to see in. I won't say 10 years time, but five years time sell out for both the ladies Gaelic football and Camogie finals have 80,000 there because they can be some wonderful games across both um, codes. And uh, yeah, that I think that'd be the biggest one tomorrow along with uh, the vote on the change of the minor under 21 and introduction of under 19. Yeah. Well, hopefully the integration is, uh, is just uh, signed off on and <clears throat> you know if it doesn't go through uh maybe have people haven't chat with their local like ga representative and putting the pressure on them to uh to make the change because it's uh it's long overdue um cool dude so we'll wrap up the the ga there and we'll go on to the picks of the week so what are your picks this week yeah uh first pick this week is um kind of along the lines of one i had a, a couple of weeks ago is um hardcore porn and now i spell that it's p a w n yeah hardcore porn a pawn 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 p a w n i make that perfectly clear um, it's kind of following on from Pawn Stars, uh, but it's it's based in um, uh, or oh, Detroit. Now, it is heavily scripted, Robbie. It really is, but it's interesting, and I kind of have an interest in um the times I was in college and all of that. Or if you're on holidays, or you'd be watching Bargain Hunt on BBC about antiques and all of that. I, I have an interest in that area, so that'd be one. The second one is going to um, really make people laugh, maybe because it sums up my music uh, sense. But uh, do you know the film The Greatest Showman? I never saw it, uh, but it was involved with a mockery drama competition Um uh, sorry, drama yoke a couple of weeks ago, Capers, and uh, one of the clubs, Callan, had a song uh, from The Greatest Showman from now on. And I've been listening to that nonstop since I heard it the past couple of weeks. Uh, Hugh Jackman, of course, uh, singing it. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it's just a brilliant song and it's definitely one. 
uh, I'd say if I was doing karaoke after about um, 20 pints or 20 gin and tonics, even though the smell of it get me drunk now, uh, I'd be definitely singing along to anyway. Yeah, cool. Uh, yeah, I've seen the great show before. It's pretty good. So uh, cool. Good stuff. Yeah, so just going with uh, my picks for this week. So uh, first of all, the, the new Viking series is out on Netflix today. So I'll be checking it out soon. So hopefully uh, hopefully it lives up to expectation there. Um, another guy I, I stumbled across during the week uh, was a guy called Philip Bowen Music. Uh, Bowen B O W E N, and he does like um, fiddle. He plays the fiddle, and he like, might be like a well-known track. And he joins him the fiddle, or he might like to do a mashup with the fiddle. Um, yeah, so he's really good. So check him out. That's really good. Um, another one I actually went to, uh, to the cinema to see Death on the Nile, which is a nice uh, murder mystery one as well. So that, if you go on to the cinema, that'd be worth checking out as well. Um, of course Batman is out next week so that's uh, going to be I'll be first in the cinema for that and another film uh, was just on Disney there I watched during the week it's a Wes Anderson film and it's called The French uh, Dispatch um, yeah it was, it's really quirky sort of uh, I know it's on Disney but it's definitely an adult uh, <laughs> an adult uh, show so there's some nudity and stuff in it but um yeah, it's really good, really quirky, and you know all of the shots in it are really well done, and it's very, very um, cinematic in a way, and like arty with the the way things are shot and stuff. So, yeah, so they're uh, my picks of the week. So check them out if you're interested in them. Cool. Yeah, cool. So sounds good. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, so the I suppose the news story that has been dominating the headlines um, is the the Russian invasion into ukraine uh it's a bit of a crazy situation um and not since world war ii has there been such a large-scale conflict um on european soil um you know kind of thrown the, the whole world into a bit of um a tailspin after you know the years of covid and now we're, we're going into this and um I suppose we're not going to pretend to be ex- experts on uh, geopolitical um <laughs> goings on but um, for for the casual observer, which we are, TJ, do you think this is going to be a situation where maybe there's a bit of fighting and then things calm down and back off, and maybe some sort of a deal is struck, or is it going to be maybe a, a situation where other countries are are being invaded and it goes into like a much larger conflict, and maybe even I know a lot of people are putting around World War Three memes. Um, <laughs> But um, do you think that's a sort of thing that we could see happening or how do you think it's going to go? Um, I I won't lie. It's it's something that it, it's really bothering me. Um, no one likes to see loss of life or anything. But what's really pissing me off, I won't lie about it, Robbie, is um politicians actually believing that it wasn't going to happen are trying to put across that we're going to a, a, a blind man could see that Russia were going to invade it was just a matter of time um, what's really kind of the most shocking part about it is the reasoning behind it that Putin is trying to get back 
the territories that uh, Russia had. Um, and like, I, I can't see any way out of it on, other than, and as you say, <laughs> I'm no expert. I mean, I, I would have watching a lot of, say, you know, real historical war shows uh, years ago uh, when I was younger. They were on um, RTE of a Sunday morning. Uh, it's going back to 1600s and that. But, um, I mean, the only way I can see this ending is NATO going in. And that's that's the only way I can really see it ending. Um, I I don't know if you saw the interview uh, David McCullough of RTE done with the Russian ambassador. Um, it was on RTE News. Now I missed it, but I saw it on Twitter. And David McCullough absolutely just tore into him, um, really tore into him. And the Russian ambassador just didn't give a fuck. Really didn't. He he, he just, it, it just reminded me of, did you ever see a comedy sketch where you'd have someone putting on a Russian accent? And I don't mean to be racist or anything. I have good friends from Russia and who are, they're two groups that I really feel sorry for, and that's the Russian people, but more importantly, the Ukrainian people at the moment. The sanctions that the EU are after imposing and um, other countries and organizations are after imposing won't affect the ones that are um, doing this dreadful act. It's the Russian people will suffer as a result of the sanctions. Uh, the Ukrainian people are suffering because of an absolute dreadful, dreadful act by an evil, evil man. And um, it's just, I'm so pissed off hearing that the warning signs were there, that Europe, in other words, knew that this could possibly happen eight years ago impose sanctions and basically give Putin eight years opportunity to eventually do what he wanted to do, his master plan. Um, the only good thing about it, Robbie, is the ships, the Russian ships were moved off the Irish coast because looking at what's happening now, they're trying to set them up that they were... Like what my understanding of it at the moment is it isn't going to stop with Ukraine. Uh, Lithuania is in danger, Moldova's in danger, uh, Belarus, um, and yeah, I I just don't know how it's going to end. It's not going to be good anyway. Everyone's going to suffer. Um the sanctions are not going to affect the person that's um, committing this dreadful act, like I said, are the ones around him because he's a billionaire. Um, 
the Ukrainians will be decimated for decades. Um, and if there's any justice in the world, Robbie, I hope Putin is done for war crimes. Yeah, I suppose, like, in terms of war crimes, there would have to be maybe a bit of a... Like, I'm not saying this isn't bad, what's happened, but it would have to be, like, worse things have happened, if you know what I mean. Like, oh, definitely. I oh, know. I'd agree. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so, yeah, I'd have to, like, have come from him as well, rather be than being individual soldiers uh, doing horrific things, you know, the way, so... Yeah, it's uh, obviously it's a terrible thing for Ukrainian people, and hopefully, you know, it, it like realistically, it does look like the Ukraine will fall relatively quickly. Like they're already in Kiev uh, today, so yeah, it, it does seem like it will be a swift war, which you know possibly might be a good thing. That um, you know, um, that maybe the fighting is over relatively quickly. Um, but obviously the Ukrainian people will probably continue on in some fashion. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's worrying, I suppose, that we would have maybe thought that these days were behind us, that these things wouldn't happen. Um, but like maybe, you know, you're saying NATO going in, like, like if NATO goes in, is that going to result in possibly a nuclear war? Like, you know the way? So I think that's, yeah, is that that's... maybe why the Western powers are a bit more apprehensive for jumping in? Because I know Putin did say that there would be like, you know, I think it would be ter- like a terrible stuff happening that the world has never seen before if the West intervened, you know? So the danger yeah, is, a... Robbie, mm-hmm. sorry, and I'm really sorry for jumping in. Sorry, no, but the danger is if if someone doesn't do something, where will, when will it stop or where will it stop? If Ukraine fall and Russia take complete control, when you have a megalomaniac like you have, you, you just, I mean, where, where will be next? Poland, Lithuania, um, Moldova um like I know nuclear I mean it's it's uh it's scary it really is scary um and I'm sorry I'll let you continue sorry for jumping in sorry no you're grand for jumping in um no I I do take what you're saying that um you know like a lot of people would look back in history and say that you know when Hitler annexed um Czechoslovakia and as it was then um, and the Sudetenland and all these sort of places and uh, they they struck a peace deal with him and he was able to keep these things and then he just he kept pushing things as far as he could um, a lot of people would look back at that time and say that those were quite gutless leaders um, well that does seem to be what's happening now as well Um you know, even though those those same people would criticize looking back at what actions were done then. Um, but I suppose the, the nuclear deterrent is really, you know, the, the literal nuclear option that maybe you know, maybe if people trying to are thinking that maybe if Putin is doing this, that there's there's no end to how 
the potential devastation like he could wreak if you know what I mean um like some people are saying that you know when Trump was president that Trump was such a wild card that I'm not saying he was a good president but that Trump was such a wild card that Putin wouldn't have done anything because you know possibly Donald Trump would have jumped into like a a full-scale conflict if you know what I mean so yeah are the western leaders kind of making things quite easy for Putin do you think or Oh, definitely. Definitely. I mean, what I can't understand is how the Russian ambassador is still in Ireland. I'm yeah, sorry. I think what the, they were saying was that it's better to to keep the lines of communication open rather than like if they get rid of him, then they've no one to talk to them. But if they can just keep on... I know, I know what you're saying, and they they should. I know there was, I think there was, yeah, there was paint poured on the the Russian symbol outside the ambassador's uh, building in Dublin, and there was, I think, the protests and all that sort of stuff. Um, but I'm pretty sure what Simon Simon Coveney was saying was that if they get rid of him, then the lines of communication are completely blocked. If you know what I mean. So, uh, but maybe maybe expelling him from the country would send a stronger message. Like, in all fairness, and I, I can't disagree with you, Robbie, but in saying that, the Russian ambassador here is just one of Putin's pawns. And, I mean, I say uh, the Russian ambassador to Ireland would have as much influence with Putin as a hairbrush would have our... Oh, jeez. Oh, the hairbrush should have on me, would you say? <laughs> <laughs> um, like, I, I wouldn't, uh, and the reason I stopped is I wouldn't, no, I wouldn't even make a joke. It, it's just, uh, I see absolutely no influence at all. Um, this thing about Irish fishermen defeating Russia, that was. We're, we're a small country, Robbie. We can't, like, the most scary thing about it is we can't defend ourselves. We have yeah. to rely on England to tell our Great Britain to tell us what's in our waters or what's in our skies. We we are so under resourced, it's it's scary. And I mean, for the likes of having the only reason to keep the Russian ambassador here is to have a diplomatic channel to to the Kremlin. It's just it it, it I, I understand and but I mean it's now the only good thing to come out of this, Robbie, is the way the markets kind of bounce back today. I was in Kilkenny earlier today. There were four cent put on fuel straight away. Went in this evening, there were two cent taken back off it. Listening to the news and um, which, as you know, or anyone listening, I'd be kind of a, a nerd when it comes to financial things. Uh, I wouldn't be an expert, but I'd have an interest and I, I'd listen. Um, is the market seem to be bouncing back so they don't seem to be an impact that way with sanctions that are imposed. Um, I read a bit of an article on The Guardian today where they 
could be uh, the West has to defend the Ukraine no matter what we can't let Ukraine fall no matter what way it's done we it, Ukraine has to be tried to be defended but by doing so to be a favor done to Russia in if Russia are defeated because this will hopefully put an end to it this is you have a man that's trying to go back to um kind of a platform and structure that was there in deities or previous to deities. And I'm no expert on it, but this is what I'm learning. And um when you have someone looking back like that, he needs to be got rid of. It's good to see the Russian people protesting, but it still makes no difference. When you have someone that doesn't even respect his own people. Um, Now, you might have a situation where in Ireland where people give out about politicians, but still you have them among you at weekends or whatever. You can actually see them. Um, It's not the case there. You have a man, a megalomaniac, that's locked away in a palace that's worth billions and will send police out to against his own people. I I, I don't know. I, I it's scary, Robbie, and I it's like a it's like a bad dream. It's just something I thought last night. The first world war was 1914 to 1918. The Spanish flu was 1918. You had the COVID pandemic uh, 2019 onwards. And now there's possibly a world war and it's what a decade apart. And that's the the most scary thing that history's repeating itself again that you have. With all the advances we're after making um, and everything that you'd have people that are so, so bad that's still able to be. Uh, controlled like but it's going on unfortunately there are air strikes in other countries as well um, and it's terrible that it's still continuing and I probably didn't make any bit of sense at all because I don't know how to yeah, I, I just feel so, I feel so bad for the Ukrainian people I really do. I know a couple of people uh, from the Ukraine that live in Kilkenny and uh, I just really feel for them. And I know uh, Russian people as well. And um, I feel for I feel for the Russian citizens uh, as well, because they didn't look for this and the Ukrainians are suffering as a result. And um, I, 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 I can't see any way out of it other than conflict being put against Russia. I honestly can't. And then, as you say, you have, you run the risk of nuke, nuclear war. Like, um, But I think one good thing Ireland could do is get rid of the Russian ambassador. I think that'd be 
it's no point saying we're standing with the Ukrainian people and condemning what's happening and having someone that's uh, trying to, as David McCullough said, be apologetic uh, for slaughter um, in the country. Yeah, well, I suppose it's a it's a day by day sort of changing situation. So we'll we'll, uh, we'll see how it all unfolds over the next next few day few days and uh, weeks and beyond. And obviously, your your sympathies to anyone you know trapped in this conflict and anyone who has relatives or families involved. Um, I know the the Champions League final has been pulled from St. Peter's Petersburg, and then I think you're talking about pulling Russia out of a lot of. Uh, sporting uh competitions as well i know that's not much but um i suppose the united front just to tell you know the russian federation is uh this isn't okay that's all all we can do for now um right so we'll just we'll uh we'll try and park that uh (laughs) that uh, topic there and we'll uh just try and talk about the rugby if we can um so it should be a fairly straightforward game for Ireland at the weekend. And then you have, um, you know, potentially could be a shock, maybe Scotland, they, they like to throw the ball around against the French. And then you have the always massive game of uh, Wales and England, uh, which is always a, a tasty enough match. So I suppose from an Irish point of view, we're just looking to get uh, points on the board and get out of the game without... Um, without um, you know, incurring any injuries and stuff like that. Do you think you reckon they should uh, rest a lot of players? You know, Joey Carberry is maybe tipped to start, or I haven't seen the team yet, but um, you know, it would be a good idea to rest you know, Tyke Furlong and uh, the likes of these guys so we can go into the English game a bit fresher. Yeah, I know. I mean, the one pleasing aspect is Joey Carberry's in. Um, they would be... A temptation to fire Johnson Sexton in, but I mean we have to build for the future, Robbie and um, Joey Carberry made a, a counted for himself really well against the against the French, and I mean the Stade de France is <laughs> is I, I was never there, but watching it on television and listening to the atmosphere is a really um, it seems a really tough place to go. And when you had Joey Carberry coming back from injury as well, I think he deserves a shot. Um, I think Italian rugby is in um, complete disarray at the moment. There are 34 games without a win. Um, And the one thing you would have always seen about Italian rugby is they, they were always tough to play. Um, it took a while for teams to kind of grind them down. Um, I I was listening to an interview today. I forget who it was with, but it was really interesting because Connor O'Shea, who was the head coach over there, was trying to put um structures in place, and I mean they played. Um, played France a few years ago and they had a chance of um, defeating uh, the French on the same day only um, for a bit of showboating um, and um, like it's it's foregone foregone conclusion the result I think um, 
usually you'd say you have to show the Italians respect and you always show opposition respect, but anything but a, a, a comfortable bonus point win would be really disappointing for Ireland. Um, in regard to what you were saying about resting players, um, yeah, I, I, you, you'd have to, you have to try out... Um, you have to try out some of the young players, and I think Andy Farrell deserve deserves uh, respect for introducing the the number of players he did um, over the the past number a couple of year. Um, you have to build towards the next World Cup, but they are big games coming up as well, so you don't want to. How would you say you don't wouldn't want to really want to waste the game too much either, if that makes sense, Robbie? It'd be a bit like a challenge game. Yeah, you want to try out players, see what they're able to do, but if you're having a comfortable win, say against if you're having a comfortable win, say against the likes of the Italians, will young players really learn that much from it other than getting their first cap or get a bit of experience. Um, uh, I know I'm not making much sense here. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I see what you're saying. Like, it you know, mightn't be as valuable as maybe coming on a, a more strenuous test, you know. But um... Exactly. And, I mean, we have to travel to Twickenham as well. And you know how tough that's going to be. And Scotland are... Like Scotland are hit and miss. I mean, it depends what Scottish side show up on the day. It could be a situation where you could be turned over or it could be a situation where it could be uh, an easy victory. Um, but yeah, where I, I won't lie, Robbie, where I'd like to really see the youngsters being tried out is when we travel to New Zealand. Um, because it's warm-up games later in the year, and I think that's where you really, really kind of test where you are then coming up against uh, an Italian side that would be low in confidence. Yeah, introduce young players in, but still you kind of have to have one eye against the uh, uh, going over to Twickenham because we turned England over last year, Um and England gave us a couple of big beatings in the few games before that. So it, the job I'd see, and I'm no rugby expert, I you'd, Andy Farrell will have to kind of try and find the right mix to keep some of the experienced players fresh, but with match practice. Like the big disadvantage Ireland would have having is... Um, say the likes of the Leinster players, they wouldn't have had much of a warm-up before the Six Nations because of the pandemic. Um, so where if it was, say, a normal year, you can say, yeah, here, fire a hippie young players in. But when you have an awful lot of players without kind of match practice and you know there's big games coming up against England and Scotland, it's trying to find the right mix and being honest that's why Andy Farrell is where he is and I'm sitting here trying to let on I know what I'm talking about <laughs> oh well uh, hopefully we get um get a win no injuries and um that's on Sunday as well so um yeah hopefully the hopefully we get the win and 
get the bonus point and I think that's all you can really ask for a game against Italy it's uh, it's hard to um, make it exciting I think um, compared to the other games in the championship um, cool yeah so we'll move on so we'll go on to um, uh, two guys from Tipperary the two Johnnies um, started off on the radio this week I was listening to it during the week uh, they were on 2FM from 3 to 6 and then I think it was maybe Thursday or Wednesday, even Thursday morning, where there was, um, they had released, or not them directly, but somebody who worked for them on their podcast um, released a video. It was like a highlight reel of them reading out funny bumper stickers or what they would, obviously distasteful bumper stickers, what you could call them, and in, in what had transpired for a lot of people. Um, and I actually seen the video, the t- I think it was like a TikTok video, or maybe it was possibly on instagram somewhere and they're reading out uh bumper stickers and just they were just mad ridiculous uh stuff um and some you know i suppose like where i think the maybe the the issue is that people were confusing the guys reading these things out as like that they were approving of them more than they were reading the, the, the mouse and laughing at how ridiculous they were. And I know I actually um, it was like a Facebook post where they were talking about um, the release this evening or whatever, where they were saying that there was a much longer, they did much longer on the podcast um, where they were talking, you know, about how ridiculous it was and this sort of stuff. And this video made them look a lot worse than they were in terms of, made them look more misogynistic or whatever. Um, but um, yeah, I always, when I seen the video, I just thought that they were laughing at the people who had these bumper stickers rather than approving of it. So um, what do you think of the whole controversy? And do you think we'll hear them back on the, the radio again? Um, I honestly hope their career is not ended in radio as a result of this. Um the the two Johnnies are after doing a lot of um a lot of really good work in promoting the wellness of people, if that makes sense. Um their their advice for the teenagers of are they're kind of providing trying to think of the right way to say it. Um that anything can be achievable. Um, like some of the songs that they brought out, um, they may sound kind of um to some as kind of uh simple and silly or whatever, but if you listen to some of the the lines in it, it's in other words, chase your dream. Um and the sacrifices that have to be made to achieve your dream, that things don't just land on your lap kind of way. Um, if you see how the two Johnnies started, they started off with just a camera down at a game and they started commentating on a game and the video went viral and they developed a, one of the most popular podcasts in Ireland and developed a terrific career from it and they deserve great credit for it and you listen to 
where they came from to go to the platform they are now they deserve complete respect um i won't lie i didn't hear the full facts about it up until yesterday and i saw an interview johnny b gave today and um it it just shows the pitfalls that even though you're you're trying to maybe now i'm not saying it's the case in this and i caveat it this way they may be they may have been trying to portray the shallowness and the misogyny and the just the fucking brutal attitude that some people have out there um everyone knows someone like that everyone knows someone that's a, have a car sticker like that or will make an inappropriate comment that you're kind of the person thinks you're laughing with him, but you're actually cringing with a comment that's to be made. And if they're trying to portray that, I mean, to, to highlight some of the shallowness that's out there and the perceptions that are out there that, um, say women are only seen as an object is completely, I mean, it's it's shocking. It's shocking. Um, they are real dangers when you have a platform that you have to cross your T's and dot your I's. I mean, that's the danger, Robbie. I mean, I know we're making a joke about uh, another podcast that came out a couple of years ago where uh, an interview was there that, or sorry, and after an interview was aired that shouldn't have been aired, that it wasn't edited. And I mean, there are implications out of that. Um, now, I know there were jokes made about it, but people's careers were kind of affected as a result. So it wasn't funny. It, I mean, and you'd never want to see someone's careers affected, but it just shows the way things are going that you have to make sure that you vet everything um, and if you're the main people that are out front you have to make sure that the people that are working around you know the, uh, your values um, and that's the responsibility now I'm not saying it's the complete fault to the two Johnnies that this video came out they may not have known that it came out but still um someone believed that it was good to be put out and it'd be portrayed that the way it was picked up and um, they are a certain responsibility there. Um, It's a real tough one because the one thing you never want to do is kick someone when they're down and I'd never, ever do that. And I really hope the two Johnnies do bounce back from this because uh, they are entertaining. Um, I did listen to their podcasts and um, like I was saying, some of the songs and some of the topics they covered, um, they were given a platform to highlight some major issues that are out there as well and also promote the 
mental health and dreams of young people as well to that if you want to achieve something you can achieve it uh, but you can't expect it to fall into your lap and they done that through um songs that were entertaining and um it's a difficult situation for their employers uh Robbie because um they were talking about it on the uh, live line today. I don't know if you heard that. I didn't know. Um, I, I listen bits when I'm in work. I was actually, I'm off Friday, so I never listened to live line but, uh, of a Friday. But um, that that's the danger, Robbie. I mean, it was on uh, News Talk yesterday. Um, and um, it's just, it's just comments that are. It, it, I I don't know how to say it because there there are messages that just shouldn't be tolerated. It's um, and if they were only reading out what was sent into them and what other people were having on their car, I mean they may not be harming that to some people um but still after incidents that are happening it's just maybe it's maybe the time of that is gone and maybe we're gone into a culture that um i i i don't know how to say it without getting into maybe slight trouble because I'd have sure me personal want. I'd have me personal views on it. Um but I I just if it was completely innocent that they really didn't believe what they were doing was wrong, that they were trying to highlight the shallowness were out there, I wouldn't like to see their career being suffered as a result. If the video was put out by a person that actually believed that that may have been entertaining or whatever, if they're in your employment or they're involved with you, unfortunately you are responsible for what's put out and um, it's a difficult decision for their employers because you're going to have some people saying that they shouldn't lose their show. You have other people saying they should lose their show Um and it's just the way the world's gone, Robbie. And um, to some people, you're right. Some people, you're wrong. And um, But the messages that were on some of the content I saw, I wouldn't agree with personally. And um, it, it was in bad taste and with incidents that are after happening, um it may it's definitely not the right time uh for it but um if they're trying to highlight a message that this can't be tolerated anymore and the video that was put out was edited wrongly um i i would have i would have sympathy i would um but the messages that uh, that were contained in the video, I'd have great difficulty with. 
and I just um it, it's just yeah I, I leave it at that maybe I made no sense at all but uh yeah I I just I think we're I, I don't know I just really hope the two boys um are able to bounce back from it no matter what um because um I don't think an incident should determine someone's um career. Yeah, I think you should be looking at more their their whole career and what they've done. And they have done a lot around uh, as they said themselves, around consent and all that sort of stuff. And exactly. You know, I think if you were to you know to like watch or listen to a lot of their, their content, you know, they're they're really good guys and you know yeah i think from the messages i see on a lot of the posts were was were a lot of people supporting them and stuff like that so um yeah so maybe possibly they might be done on the radio but i think their their podcast will, will keep going um yeah cool. so go wish on, yeah. them the very wish them the very best like i was saying i i was a fan of the uh, a fan of the podcast and um I, I'd agree with your sentiments there completely, Robbie, because they were um great messages that they did put across and they did hit on topics that were, were really important as well. And I hope this incident isn't just what they're remembered for, that they live long and prosper. Yeah. Uh cool. So we'll just go on to our last topics. This is um sporting apologies now i just kind of seen this as a bit of a trend that was developing recently um like speaking of social media with the the two lads or whatever um like say football players or you know like say they make a mistake in the game or they make a wrong decision and then they're they come out on social media uh maybe a few hours after the game and they're apologizing um for <laughs> The, the mistake they made and you know obviously they're there must be getting lots of online sort of flack and maybe even their family and like say say like um you know a player could score an own goal and then maybe the family of this person are getting lots of abuse and stuff like that and then that forces the the athlete to come out and apologize um i don't know a lot of people might have a lot of sympathy for these athletes you know they're especially the well-paid ones and stuff um but I just wanted to pick your brains on TJ. Do you think it's um, a situation where the, like, the guys shouldn't have to apologize because everyone's going out to do their best? We're oh, back. Uh, we had technical difficulties there. Um, yeah, so I was just talking about uh, players that have to make apologies on social media after um, they make mistakes during a game. And I was just wondering, do you think it's, uh, you know, the world gone a bit mad where these guys can't even go out and play a game and be free to make mistakes? Um, you know, because obviously they don't want to do it. It's just something that happens. It's all part of sport and, you know, all the camera angles and, and stuff like that. You have a lot of uh, keyboard warriors who couldn't even do half as well anyway, kind of given out to people. So uh, what do you think about that, Teach? Yeah, I, I just think, I, I I think I said on a previous podcast about the the way things are are going, and I'd love to go back to a stage where 
we didn't have the most advanced mobile phones and social media because um, it gives people an opportunity to um, slay other people and think they can get away with it. Um, sports stars, celebrities um, are all human beings at the end of the day, whether you're paid really well or not. Um they they all have families and they all have personal lives and they all have emotions. Um, for a sports star to make a mistake sums up they're human. Um, like, should I go on social media now because the blooper there on the recording? I mean, if you put that in the perspective of um, something that happened that they had no control over. There's, there's no, I mean, there's no need for it because name one human doesn't make a mistake. Um, You without sink has the first stone as the proverb says. Um, Now, if someone does something really, really wrong, gets sent off or whatever, um, maybe social media isn't the place to go. Um, if it was affecting someone, maybe if you went in for a tackle and a player was injured, I think there's more in actually going to the player that's injured and apologizing than going on social media about it. Um, now, I know it's a way it can be said that you're doing it to apologize to your to the fans and all of that. Um, but unfortunately, like I was saying with the... I, I'm trying to think of the term. I can't think of it. Um, do you know social media where people are able to get trolling. away with sorry trolling, is it? Trolling. trolling sorry I couldn't think of it um, where you're going on social media and you're given an opportunity for trolls to have a go at you um, may not be the best thing um, they are an awful lot of players do it or an awful lot of people do it just for the sake of doing it i know i'm conscious of it myself i i really am now i'm far from ever being or ever will be ever close to polishing the shoes of the person that polishes the shoes of a celebrity but um like they are some things that you put up on social media at times that you kind of regret two minutes after and then you're saying here I can't delete it because someone's after seeing it or whatever um, and sometimes you put things up that you try to be funny and everyone has to admit sometimes it's for attention as well and that's the most embarrassing thing I find Um like everything is done through social media now and um like if it's a major incident i think there are better ways of doing it than through social media 
being honest. Um, if if a player has a bad performance, I don't think they should have to go on and apologize. Everyone has a bad day. Um, and But yet there are some sports stars when social media and apologize to fans and um, there are stories that were coming out that the apologies weren't really meant in a sense it, because the, their, their actions actually didn't show that they really were sorry in it, if that makes sense, Robbie. Um, yeah, I suppose you might have people coming out and apologising just to uh, stop maybe the social media tirade. But, you know, like you could, couldn't could hardly blame them for not really being too enthusiastic because, you know, they're just going out and playing and then they have to go out on social media and apologise for something when they were just trying to do their their best for the team, if you know what I mean. So, exactly. you know, maybe if they're not doing a genuine apology, maybe that's just a reason for that. Yeah, I know, and that's that's a very valid point as well. But I mean, the one thing that when you everyone says they're sorry at times and they're not sincere about it, and if you're doing it too often, it can kind of become a trend where question marks will come about how sincere you actually are about it. Um like some some superstar that's after achieving everything in their career and they have one bad bad game or one bad defeat they have absolutely no need to ever apologize to anyone um but it's like I was saying it's the 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 world we're living in that um it's it's a bit like it's a bit like what you hear at times you have friends on social media that want to say hello to you on the street <laughs> i mean uh you'd be wondering well uh how sincere it actually is or how what meaning or whatever's behind it like so um yeah no it's a, it's a brilliant topic but um Sometimes there's a better way of going about it than just going on social media, being honest. Um, yeah, maybe that's your performances uh, on the pitch to the talking. Exactly, exactly. And you could have someone going on social media saying, here, we're really sincere, I'm sorry, or whatever, and then kind of turned opposite way if they see a fan coming over or whatever, or... Yeah. I mean, they're yeah. They, I I just think there's better ways of doing it. Cool, good stuff, Tish. So uh, we'll leave it there. So thanks everyone for listening, and uh, you can follow us Two Hands in a Hurl podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and obviously listen to us uh, wherever you're listening to us now, and Spotify, Acast, and Apple Music. So great chatting as always, Tish. Yeah, a pleasure, Robbie, and really enjoyed it. And chat to everyone next week. Thanks a million for tuning in. Cool. Good stuff. Good luck. Good luck. Good luck. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye.